And many of you have heard my story about how I came to know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You know, I placed my faith in Christ for the forgiveness of my sin and decided to follow Him when I was in high school. And then I started attending a local church. Probably like you did when you came to Christ or maybe you were raised in the church. But um, when I started going to church and worshiping with the church, there were some things in the church that were unfamiliar to me. That just, I just didn't quite understand why the church did what it did. And one conversation I had with Celia when we were dating, we were dating in high school, we went to church together, and after one service, I remember talking to her about the offering. You know, every church has an offering, time where we pass uh, some type of collection mechanism like a plate or whatever it may be to collect money. And, uh, you know, a pastor might say something like, you know, this is a chance for us to to give back uh, some of what God has given to us. It's a chance to give to the Lord. And I remember after that church service just thinking, you know, I just, this is confusing to me. What does God need my money for? I mean, why would, why would God want me to give him money? I mean, he's God. I mean, what's, what's he going to do with my money? I just didn't, I just didn't register why I would give money to God. I just, one of those things that just seemed very strange to me. And I can see how, especially new Christians, and maybe even if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe this still may be somewhat unclear to you. But I can see how it can be confusing when pastors, you know, like myself, say things like that. Like, you're giving to God, or, uh, or even maybe a little more negatively when we try to really, you know, press home the idea that you ought to be given to God. We'll say something like, you know, uh, you know, you shouldn't rob God. You should give to God and not rob God of what He's entitled to. So you think, well, okay, uh, maybe I should be giving, giving more. Or maybe you have, you know, the television preachers, you know, and their ministries send you letters in the mail or tell you over the airwaves, you know, send me $50 and God's going to multiply it. And you're going to receive $500, but first send me $50, you know. Or maybe they'll say, you know, you need to, if you want to reap a financial harvest, you got to sow some financial seed. In other words, send me some money. <laughs> These are the way it goes. And um, you can see how when you talk about the church and you talk about money and you talk about giving the church money, there can be some mixed feelings about that and some misunderstanding. You know, what does it mean to give to the Lord? And so this morning I want to look at a passage in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I think this passage is, if not the most, one of the most thorough treatments of giving in the New Testament. I don't think you're going to find many passages that are going to give you more direction as to how Christians ought to give. And there's a lot of patterns of giving and whatnot in the Old Testament, but we're not in the Old Testament, right? We're in the New Testament. So when you think about the New Testament church, what should be our motivation in giving? Like, what does it look like for a Christian to give uh, to the Lord? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And in 1 Corinthians 16, you have the context of 
the letter to 2 Corinthians, uh, entitled 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul uh, asked the churches outside Jerusalem. Okay, so you had the mother church, so to speak, in Jerusalem, the first church. And from the church of Jerusalem, the gospel went out into Judea, Samaria, and to outside even Jewish territory. And you begin to have, you know, even churches made up of completely uh, Gentiles or non-Jewish people. And so you had churches in the surrounding areas. Well, a famine had occurred in Jerusalem and the church was, had, just had a great need. And so Paul, as he was going out throughout his missionary journeys, would challenge these other churches to take up an offering to gather money to send to the church in Jerusalem to help them buy food and the resources they need. So this was a ministry need, and Paul went around these churches to rally them to help out with this need through their giving. And this sets up 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And what Paul explains here, I'm going, I'm going to call the cycle of giving. The cycle of giving. And there's three parts to this cycle. The first cycle is, or the first part of the cycle is that God gives and we receive. God gives, we receive. And the second part of the cycle is, we give and others receive. So God gives, we receive. We give, others receive. And the third part of the cycle is others give and others give and God receives. And so we're going to see how the cycle of giving is described in this passage. So let's first look at uh, the cycle which shows that God gives, we receive. And what we're going to do, instead of reading two chapters of Scripture, uh, I want to just highlight a few of these verses through here. And I'd encourage you to read this uh, this afternoon or during this week as you uh, spend time with the Lord in, the, in God's Word. First of all, look at chapter 8, verse 1 in 2 Corinthians. Paul starts out by saying, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been, that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. In other words, the reason the Macedonian churches have responded the way they have is because of the grace of God. You know, they have experienced the gift of God, the grace of God, which means receiving something good that you did not earn. It's a gift. And so God shows His grace to us in a variety of ways. And the primary way in which God uh, gives us grace is through salvation. The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of forgiveness of our sin, the gift of eternal life. You know, Paul says in Ephesians 2, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And so salvation is a gift that we receive. And so that's just one of the primary ways that God gifts us with so many different things, including salvation. Look at verse 9. Paul says, for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. And so not only have, have we been gifted in salvation through the giving of Christ, but Christ is a model for us to follow. And just think about it. And you can read more about this in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul really unpacks this idea of, Jesus, the second person of the, of the Trinity, the Son of God, taking on flesh, He humbled Himself and became a servant even to the point of death. Well, why? 
so that we can benefit from His payment for our sin and so that we can inherit eternal life, so we can have forgiveness, so that we can have eternal life. And so you have Jesus who disadvantaged Himself for the advantage of the church. And so God gives us salvation in Christ. He also gives us an example in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is that we, when we receive from the Lord, we give for the good of others. And we'll get to that in a moment, that second cycle of giving. Also, look at verse, uh, verse 8 in chapter 9. Verse 8 in chapter 9. Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So what we see here in chapter 9 is that God gives us everything we need to accomplish good works. What He wants us to do. And so God, again, gives us that by grace. And then look at verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So God supplies and multiplies the seed for the sower and increases the harvest of righteousness, which means our right standing before God. And then look how he concludes this, these two chapters on giving and generosity in chapter 9, verse 15. <clears throat> he says this, he says, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. So in the context of uh, Paul challenging the church at Corinth to give to the church in Jerusalem for this need, he says, you know, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift because God is the ultimate giver. He gives of Himself freely, willingly, out of love to us. And we receive. That's the first cycle of giving. And the key to generosity is realizing that, is realizing that all good gifts come from God. And so when we receive good gifts from God, and we begin to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ that tells us that we've been saved by grace, that God has given us all things in Christ, then what that will do is that will cause us to be a generous people with all that we have. Because we have... Christ, we have eternal life, we have forgiveness, we have security in God, and so that's going to put us in a position to become like Christ, who is the, obviously the ultimate giver. And so, this self-giving of Jesus leads us to give of ourselves to others, and this leads us to the second part of the cycle of giving. The first part is God gives, we receive, and then we give, and others receive. Or another way to say this is that God gives so that we can give. God gives so that we can give. Look at chapter 9, verse 7. Paul says, Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so what we see in this verse is that God loves when His people give. Give of themselves, give of their time, give of their listening ear, give of the gospel, give of their finances to His work. I mean, God loves when we give. God gives so that we can give. And He loves it when we give willingly, freely, cheerfully. 
Not reluctantly or begrudgingly, but we give out of what He has given to us. We give in order to image Christ, to be like Christ. Also look at chapter 8, verse 2. Chapter 8, verse 2, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia. And he says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And what I want to highlight here in this verse is that their abundance of joy has overflowed in generosity. In other words, no one's commanding them to give anything. Just from their joy in Christ, when they hear of an opportunity to give, they do it. They want to do it. Even though they don't have much. And he says in their extreme poverty. They gave, but they gave out of what they had because they wanted to. Paul even goes on to say that they begged him to do so. So you have a church that doesn't have a whole lot, yet when they hear about this, this ministry opportunity, this need, they say, we, we beg you, Paul, let us participate in that. You know, where does that come from? Well, it comes from knowing Christ. That's what fuels this generosity. And then look at verse 8. I mean, verse 3 in chapter 8. It goes on to say about this Macedonian, these Macedonian churches. It says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means of their own free will. And so what we see is when we give, we give out of what we have. You give according to your means. And then he says, and they even gave beyond their means. It's not that they put it on the credit card. You know, they didn't say, just charge it to my bank card. You know, they didn't have those back then, first century, right? But what they did is they gave sacrificially. So they gave, the Macedonian churches did. They gave and they gave sacrificially to meet this need. And then look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God for us. And this is very important that we understand this. The generosity I'm talking about this morning happens when you first give yourself to the Lord. Okay? You give yourself to the Lord first. Then, this type of godly generosity is fueled in your heart. It doesn't happen the other way around. In other words, when you put money, for example, in the offering plate, when it goes around here at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to respond and give. But when you give... You are not purchasing your salvation, okay? You're not buying your way into right standing with God. That's that's not how it works. Even though your salvation has a price on it. Your salvation has a price. But the only currency that God accepts is Christ. That's the only currency that will be accepted to purchase your salvation. Money will not do it. Good works will not do it. That's why I think this is very key to understand. First, we give ourselves to the Lord. And then He changes our hearts and makes us a generous people. And then we give ourselves to others. That's the cycle of giving. God gives, we receive. And then we give and others receive. 
We also see in chapter 9, verse, verse 2, that giving is contagious. It says, you know, when, when these churches heard about your generosity, they became more generous. In other words, it was just contagious because what the reason it was contagious and the reason, the reason given is continually contagious is because it centers on the gospel. And whenever we are reminded of the gospel, you can't help become, but become generous. <laughs> because Christ gave Himself for us and we think, I have Christ I have eternal life. I have forgiveness. And so what that does is that opens my hand to all that I own, all that I am, my time, everything, and I'm willing to give it. So as we rehearse the gospel, it becomes contagious in our own hearts and other hearts as well who know Christ. And then we want to experience generosity and give of ourselves as well. So it's clear that God gives so that we can give to others. Now, here's where we're going to get very practical as far as giving to the churches involved, okay? We must understand that when we give to the local church, the Hill Baptist Church, for example, when you give and when I give to the local church, this church, what we're doing is we're enabling the church, the community of believers called the Hill Baptist Church, to then give to others. That's what the church does. The church exists to give. And that's what we do. We give to others. And so as we gather up our resources, we give it to other people in a variety of different ways. And so the local church becomes a conduit by which we give to not only one another, but also to our community. So now let's, let's consider what people mean when they say, when you give money during the offering, that you're giving to the Lord. When you think about this, what, what, how much should I give to the Lord? What does it look like to give to the Lord? I'm reminded of the story of these three Christians, and they were talking about this, this issue about giving to the Lord. The first Christian said this. He said, what I do is I cash my paycheck, and I draw a circle around myself. And I throw the money up in the air, and whatever lands inside the circle, I keep. And whatever lands outside the circle, I give to God. Second Christian said, well, I do the same thing. I draw a circle, but what I do is I throw the money up and whatever lands in the circle, I give to God. And whatever lands outside the circle, I keep for myself. And the third Christian said, well, what I do is I draw a circle and I throw my money in the air and whatever God wants, He keeps. And then whatever lands on the ground, I keep. <laughs> but you know, when you think about giving to the Lord, it sounds mysterious, right? It, you know, what happens to the money when I put it in an offering plate? Does it just, you know, float up to heaven or something? Or what does that look like to give to God? What does that, what does that mean? I think it can be easily misunderstood. But this cycle of giving that Paul unpacks, I think, helps us to see that when God gives to us, we give to others. And then others give praise to God. That's the cycle. And so when God gives to us, we give to others. And the way Christians do that primarily is through the ministry of the local church. So, so for example, you know, last year about this time, we, we looked forward into 2015 prayerfully and we thought, okay, as a church, what are some of the ministries that we want to fund? Okay, so we said, okay, we want to have Sunday school. That's our small group ministry that meets at 955 
And we want to study the Bible together. We want children to study the Bible. We want youth to study the Bible, adults. And so we need to buy some Sunday school material so they can have that to study the Bible. Okay? We want to do vacation Bible school. So we need to budget for that. We need to have lights and air conditioning and heating. So we need to budget for that. You know, we need to make certain repairs. We need to budget for that. You know, we need to have certain staff on our church staff. We need to budget for that. And uh, we need to have, you know, a computer. And we need different things like that. And so what we're doing is we're thinking, okay, as a church family, this is how we want to give to others in these different ways. And we want to spend this amount on each of these categories. And then we put it together, and that's what we call a budget. Now, I know when I say budget, your eyes roll back in your head, and you think, why are you talking about it? Don't, let's don't talk about a budget. I thought we were talking about Jesus. <laughs> let's stop talking about budgets. I get convicted every time we talk about a budget. But that's all, that's all it is. It's, it's just figuring out how can we channel our giving in the best way to fulfill our mission as a church, which is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. And so, around this time every year, we think through these different categories, different ways of giving to others, and we come up with, okay, we want to spend this much here, this much here, Lord willing. We put it together, and we have a total budgeted amount. And so, that's what we did last year, that's what we're doing now, and so you can be in prayer for that whole process, as you can imagine, it can get somewhat complex, but the bottom line is, We're just trying to think about God has given us this. We want to give to others. And we're just trying to figure out in what ways and and how much. And all that flows through the filter of making disciples because that's why we're here. So last year about this time, we set a budget for this year for just over $300,000 for the year for all the different ways that we want to give to others and minister to other people and to each other. As of right now, we're about 37% behind where we need to be, which is a pretty substantial amount. And if this continues, we'll end the year probably about just over $100,000 short of our budget, which that's a lot of money. And so I want to address that in a few ways. First... I want to assure you that God is not in heaven sitting there anxious about will the Hill Baptist Church meet its budget? Okay, He's not wringing His hands and His, uh, his blood pressure is not rising. You know. And so I want to assure you God's in control even of our budget. All right? So that's the first thing. Another thing is, we're going to work with what we have as a church. If, if, the, if that's where our budget ends up, then what we'll need to do is just trim back or cut out some different ways we want to do ministry and how we want to serve in different ways. We just trim that back, okay? We will work with what we have this year, and then we'll work with what we have next year. Because the church, the local church, like I mentioned, is the primary way Christians give to give to others. And so, as we give more, the church gives more. As we give less, the church gives less. But we work with with what we have. So first, 
as we receive from the Lord, we give. And like I said, the conduit for that giving, at least one way we give, and I would say the primary way for the Christian is through the community of the local church. And the second thing I want to just point out is that we all have opportunity to grow in our generosity. You know, I'm hoping that we all, including myself, as we grow in the Lord, that we become more generous people. Not just in our giving financially to the church, but in all of our life. That we just become a more generous people with our time, with our listening ear, with our speech and sharing the gospel. That we just become a generous people. And Paul addresses actually two types of churches in this passage. In in 2 Corinthians 8, he talks about the churches in Macedonia. And the churches in Macedonia were, they were churches that had very little. Okay, they didn't have a lot of wealth. uh, But at the same time, they were very generous churches. And they had this strong willingness to give. And they were the ones begging Paul, Paul, you know, please let us participate in this help to the Jerusalem church in this ministry. And so Paul obviously um, allowed them to do so. And then you have the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was a uh, wealthier church. And notice what Paul says to them in 2 Corinthians 8-7. He Because there were several great things going on in the church in Corinth, by the way. I mean, they were very fruitful in several, several different ways. But listen to what Paul says in chapter 8, verse 7. He says, But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And what Paul's telling the Corinthians is that, you know, In so many ways, I see the fruit of the gospel in your life, in your speech, in your love, in your faith. But my challenge to you is allow the fruit of the gospel to be demonstrated in your generosity as well. And I think what Paul's saying here is that generosity is a key indicator of spiritual growth. The more we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we've been saved by grace through faith, the more that sinks in, the more generous we become. So generosity is a wonderful indicator, as well as those other indicators he mentions, love, speech, knowledge, earnestness of our spiritual growth. And the point is, whether you are a Macedonian church or a church in Corinth, whether you have a little or a lot, the point is, he, we, he wants us to grow in generosity. No matter what you have. The amount that you have is not the main thing. The main thing is, how generous are we with what we have? <clears throat> and one thing's for certain, whether you were in Macedonia, a Macedonian church, or a church in Corinth, or a church in Augusta, the point is, we've all experienced the grace of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. We're, we, we are all recipients of God's gift. And although the financial resources may vary, we should be all marked by generosity. We should be all marked by giving. And so as we move through this you know, last quarter of the year, we still have about four months remaining, I want to challenge you to consider your giving. You know, we have a ministry budget that we're trying to fully fund. 
And if you need a copy of that, if you don't have a copy, one thing I really appreciate about our church is uh, the transparency. Like I said, when you give money in the offering, it doesn't just disappear or go floating somewhere. It is channeled and spent in certain ways. And if you're a member of the church, you have complete access uh, to how that is spent. So you can come by the church office anytime you like and get a printout of uh, anything that we spend money on and see where it's going. Uh, just complete transparency on that, which hopefully gives you comfort, but also lets you know that the church is just a conduit. You give, I give, and then the church gives to not only you all, but also to the community, to missions, and around the world. And so we have a ministry budget we're trying to fully fund to carry out certain things that we want to do. And so I just want to challenge you in your giving as you move through these next few months to give according to what you have between you and the Lord so that we can fully fund the ministry of the church. And each of you will be able to give different amounts. And I'm not going to tell you what you need to give, how much you need to give. That's between you and the Lord. But my main point, I think what this passage teaches us is that we just should be givers. Givers of ourselves, our time, our finances to the mission of God. And this is key, this third cycle of the, this third part of the cycle. Okay? I talked about the first one. God gives, we receive. Then we give, others receive. And now this third part of the cycle is really interesting, and that is others give, others give, and God receives. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 9, verses 11 through 13. As he closes this passage, this is what Paul says. He says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So the final part of the cycle of giving is that when those who receive they turn their eyes to God and give thanks. They praise God. And if you've been on the receiving end, if someone has blessed you in some way, I know we have, when we served with Campus Crusade for Christ for 12 years full time, you know, we were completely supported by individuals and families. And so many times God would provide for us through that. And Obviously, we were very thankful for the people, and we would tell them thank you. But our eyes would immediately go to the Lord and say, God, thank you for your provision. And this is the cycle of giving. God gives, we receive. We give, others receive. And then they give thanks to the Lord. And that's why we give. Ultimately, is not only just to meet a need, which is what happens. And Paul mentions that, yes, you met the needs of the saints, but also... God was glorified. He was praised. You know, thanksgiving rose up to Him. And He got the credit. And as a church, that's what we want to do. As we give through different ministries of the church, our goal is to see people give thanks to the Lord. I mean, that's what we want. Or another way to say that is we want to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Because disciples give thanks to the Lord. 
And so that's why we do all that we do. God gives, we receive, we give, others receive, others give, God receives. And this is why I wanted just to wait and do the offering at the end. Because at the end of the sermon, every week, there's a response. You should be responding in some way. You know, the Bible was written to usher response. If you read the Bible and you do not respond, what that says is you don't understand what you just read. Because it always calls for a response. Just like this text in, in 2 Corinthians 8 9. It calls for a response. What's the call? Be generous in all that you do because of what God has given you so that others may give thanks and praise to God. That's the cycle of giving. And that's why since we have a, a time of regular offering and giving in our service already, uh, I thought it would be a good idea to move it to the end. Because after this sermon, one of the ways we respond in worship other than obviously giving thanks to God for what He's given us is also through giving of what we have to the work of God in this church. And so we're going to have the offering in just a moment. And I want, to, I want you just to take some time and be in prayer for uh, the, the ministry of this church and how you can give to this church and the ministry of the church. But also one other thing that we're doing this month is called the State Missions Offering. And we do this throughout the year where we have different missions emphasis on a certain area. It could be the state, could be the local level, could be across the globe. Um, but we believe that doing things together is more fruitful than doing things apart. And so that's why we collectively give as a church to fund the ministry of the church. That's why we collectively give with other like-minded churches in the state of Georgia to fund different ministry initiatives in the state of Georgia. That's why we give with other like-minded churches throughout the country to fund missions all over the world. Because we believe that we can do more together than we can do apart. And so our goal for this year is $1,000 for our state missions offering that we'll be collecting in September. And so I'll encourage you to also pray this month how you may be able to give to that and help us meet that need as well. And so at the end of this closing hymn, our hymn of response, that's when the ushers are going to come down at the end of that hymn. And then that's when we're going to have our time of offering. And Jan and RJ will play our offertory time there and give you some time to, to think through and meditate on that and then respond in giving as the Lord leads. And so as we enter that time, let me pray for us. God, we just thank you for your gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Lord, we are people that are so rich because we are in your household, rich in faith, rich in forgiveness, rich in mercy, rich in love. I'm just wondering, what else do we need? What else do we need? Lord, you, you have given us so much. Lord, help us to give to others so that others will experience that same uh, forgiveness and just lift their praises to you and give you the credit that all good gifts come from you. And we're just stewards of all you give us. And you are so gracious to give us what you do. Now, Lord, help us to think through just strategically and intentionally out of what we have, not under compulsion, not reluctantly, 
but just willfully, freely, cheerfully. Lord, what would you have us give? Financially, our time, our talents, a listening ear, sharing the gospel with someone. How would you have us give of ourselves and what we have this week? Lord, show us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.